with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. All right, now you've got your Christmas bills in the mail and you've either paid them off or you're stacking them away for a rainy day, hoping maybe your tax bill will cover those. Uh, you got to remember, there are a lot of changes coming this year. Um, the breaks that you got last year may not be there this year. And I think while we traditionally hear right around the clock with all the ads, time to get your RRSP contributions in or maybe your uh, investment broker or whomever you deal with says you got to get your RRSPs stop. You got to listen because this year apparently may not be the year you should put money in. With more on that, let's bring in Rabina Ahmed Haq. She is, of course, Global News Radio personal finance expert. Why would we not contribute to our RRSPs? Well, there's a number of reasons why we would not contribute to our RRSP. I mean, number one being, um, are you actually going to get a tax refund that makes that contribution worth it? Um, if you're, you know, earning your first uh, salary, maybe you're just out of school, you know that in the future you're probably going to be making more money, um, you may want to save some of that RRSP room until you're in a higher tax bracket. So when your RRSP contribution is made, it's actually going to net you more income tax. Now, you can still make that RSP contribution this year if you want to park that money in there, but just don't claim the contribution until you're in a higher tax bracket and that money, uh, same money represents a bigger tax refund. Um, the other reason is if you're close to retirement and you have a nice healthy nest egg, you may not have to make an RSP contribution. You may be better off putting money in the TFSA and it grows tax-free because if you're already looking at, okay, I'm going to get a pension, I'm going to get CPP, I'm going to get OAS, um, if I put more money in this RSP, I'm, I'm just going to end up paying tax on it um, at a higher rate because I'll have to then take it out of the RSP when I retire. Okay. So what would... Um the biggest surprise be, I think, to people who are, are about to go meet with accountants or, or head off to get the taxes done. What's the eye-opener for you? Uh, when it comes to RSP contributions or tax season? Or well, in tax general? season in particular, just well, overall, because there have been changes, correct? There has been quite a few changes. I mean, there were, you know, things that people talk about for families, for example, there was an arts credit and a sports credit. Um, so for the first $500 that you spent, Last year, uh, you got, uh, the, sorry, the year prior to last year, you got back uh, a, a tax credit. So mm-hmm. you got back a certain portion of that money. Um, it wasn't a tax deduction. It was a tax credit. So it's a big difference. Uh, when you have a deduction, you can actually reduce your income. Like the, the RRSP reduces your income. You put $1,000 in. It, you reduce your income by 1000 You get all the tax back on that $1,000 that you paid at the time when you earned it. Um, and uh, a tax credit is just a credit that you can claim uh, if you make some sort of payment that is considered um, a, you know, taxable benefit and you get, that, you get that credit back. In this case, it was $150. So a lot of people you know, might have been looking forward to getting that money back. That's not going to be available. We know that income splitting no longer yep. exists. That was a big one for a lot of people. But I do agree. I think income splitting was really benefiting a very small group of people and not really benefiting the people who really need uh, more money in their pocket, you know, mainly being single parents or par- people who are in low-income situations or 
or those where both parents or both, both heads of households make the same amount of income. So you can't really split it. If you're both making 75000 75000 you can't, the split is, you know. So it really was benefiting those who, where one, one partner was making quite a lot of money and then was able to split that with a partner that was maybe not making as much. So, so in a sense... It, so in you know, other words, like if you were, I guess, uh, you know, in a, in a, it worked really well for people like, you know, maybe a woman is on a mat leave and not making as much and then husband can write off a little bit of money to her. It's actually, there were some really good things that could have, could have been used in that. Yeah. There, I mean, for sure. If you're, you know, if you're on mat leave, you're making, uh, yeah. you know, your income automatically is reduced uh, no matter what you make. Um, and it's up to a maximum, uh, don't quote me on this, it's about 50 $5,000 after that, even if you make $400,000 a year, your EI benefits are based on that lower income. So yes, a lot of women do sort of feel the pinch when they are on mat leave. And for that reason, income splitting for that one year was very beneficial to them. Um, but generally speaking, uh, if you want to help uh, you know, parents who are really struggling to pay their bills in a lower income bracket, um, maybe single parents who only have one income coming in, income splitting really meant nothing to them. Right. Um, getting back to the issue of retirement, because look, I know nothing about money. <laughs> I just know I can spend it. I'm glad I don't carry any debt now because that's my husband. He's very strict with making sure there's no debt. But when I think about things like retiring, um, when, I mean, is there a point where it's just too late? You just shouldn't even bother? <laughs> I mean, never give up hope. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I'm just saying most I'll just look at myself. Most of my investment is in my home. And I think I, I speak for most people who their biggest investment would be their home. So if you haven't had a chance really to kind of sock away the RSPs and and do those things, I mean, can you and is there a point when you should just not do it? No, I think there always is a argument that you should always sort of um, change your habits and save more money, especially if you are worried about the future. It's, you know, it's just like losing weight. It's never like, oh, I'm just too big. I'm just never going to try to lose weight. I'm always going to be unhealthy. I'll just stay the way I am. It's kind of like the same. I mean, someone said that you'd be like, you're crazy. You should always try to be more healthy, right? Um, or get, you know, get more fit or whatever it is that, is, is that you want to do. Um, if you are worried, I mean, this is the beauty of living in Canada. There are a lot of government benefits that do come your way. I mean, if you worked um, at any point in this country, you will get some sort of CPP. You get OAS. If you're in a low-income bracket, uh, you'll also get uh, an income supplement for those people who are in a lower-income bracket and are seniors. So there is a lot of help available. You have to apply for them. That's one thing I always remind people. It doesn't come automatically. You have to apply for these benefits to start for you when you turn 65. Um, so that does net, I think, about $2,000 a month per person. So that's not a lot, especially if you're living in a city like Toronto. Um, that's not going to, that's if you're getting maximum OAS, maximum CPP, um, and all the other government benefits. And that's not a lot of money to live on in a city like Toronto. Maybe um, thinking about, you know, if you have an asset like a home, downsizing, thinking about moving to a place that's going to cost you a little bit less money, but yeah. still give you all the, you know, amazing things that y you enjoy. You can still drive your car. You can still visit your friends who are only a short drive away. Um, there's, there are things that, you know, it, it, there are things you can still do with your financial situation uh, that can improve it for the future. Even, you know, a few years of savings is going to benefit benefit you when you finally retire rather than just sort of throwing your hands up and saying, forget it, I'll just, 
I'll just be it as it may. Yeah. I'll just take it as it is. Right? Well, you know, look, 20, 20 ish years ago, 23 years ago, when I was starting in the business, I remember, you know, the, the financial reporter doing these stories saying, if you don't have, you know, X amount by the time you're 30, 40, you know, you're kind of screwed. But, you know, things have changed a lot. And so I look at the younger generations and I think, well, any money they save would be to buy a house if they can ever get into the market. So it's gotten very, very difficult for everybody across the board to save, but certainly a younger generation, you know, if you're faced with saving for retirement or saving for a home, what do you do first? I mean, this is, this is, I think this has been a, an issue for young people for generations. I know that right now we're talking a lot about home prices being at a place where it's really difficult to get into the housing market, especially as a first time home buyer. But if you listen back to the reports in the late 80s and early 90s, which I did, it's the exact same language that the news reporters and the anchors and all the people on the street were saying. How does a young person afford to live in this city? How can we possibly get into the housing market? So my message really is that, yes, home prices seem high now, but we have been on an unprecedented sort of bull market when it comes to the real estate prices. And we are seeing them soften a bit. And there will come a point where it will feel a little bit more easier to get into the market. And 10 years from now, I know Mm -hmm. this sounds crazy to say, people are going to say, you could buy a house in Toronto for a million (laughs) dollars. People are going to say that because back then, the average price of a home was $290,000. And if you take $290,000 and you put it into a compound calculator at 6% a year, it comes out to about a million at point two. I think you that. can do the math because I can't do well, that. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm just guessing right now because I, I did it once. I think it's a million and change. But the point is, is that back then, if you had bought a house at 290000 you'd be like, whoa, you bought that house for what? That's so You're cheap. You're a millionaire no. now. I mean, it, it represented 1.2 back then. So yeah. I got to cut cool. you off there. I'm getting the eyes again. Everyone's saying you got a break. Sorry. Okay. I got well, save money as much as we can. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Rabina. Bye-bye. Uh, Rabina is, of course, our global news uh, radio personal finance expert. Lots of good advice. I wish I could follow it.